Hey, could I have sound on my uh, PowerPoint? I want to show uh, just a quick little video. I, saw, I don't know how many of you saw this, but this was a, a woman taking on a grizzly bear. I'm going to show you the video. I just wanted you, I want you to see this because next Sunday, I'm going to be at the men's retreat, but I'm actually going to be preaching Sunday morning here. So next Sunday, I want to preach a message called Women of Courage because I think the majority of people who are going to be here are going to be women. But um, I think some men could really use to hear this too, especially in our day and age. Uh, but I, I want to show you, th this, is the, this is a paw of a grizzly. By the way, grizzly bear, brown bear, same thing. Just different locations, different parts of the world. I just wanted you to see it's about twice, twice as wide as a, as a good-sized man's hand. And the, uh, the claws, uh, I don't know, how many inches you look in? Five inches? One swipe, and you're dead. I want you to see what this woman did. This is an 18-year-old girl. Her name is Haley Morinico. And um, just watch this video. He took about courage. With her cubs, too. How about that, huh? So next week, Women of Courage. Gina, was that you? Because <laughs> if any woman in this church is going to take on a bear, it's you. The uh, Vikings and the American Indians, that was like a, a high privilege for a warrior to actually take on a grizzly or, or uh, a brown bear. Uh, they were taken on with a knife in their hand and, an, uh, and a tomahawk. But um, there are stories of them actually defeating uh, at times minority of the times, an actual bear and taking the bear out. But, um, so next Sunday, women, women of courage. I think you'll enjoy the message. So I'm going to be talking to the men on Saturday about men of courage. And I'm going to be talking about uh, women of courage on Sunday. For today, I want you to stand for the reading of the word, Signs of the Times. This is going to be part five. This is Mark chapter 13, 21 through 23. I'll say this, I don't know if any children are in this room, but I'm going to be talking about the Antichrist and little kids. They will have nightmares. Okay? I just want to assure you of that. Uh, this is why we have Sunday school and junior church and all kinds of things to the kids. But what's going to be said here over the next 45 minutes will definitely, might give some of you nightmares. Okay? So um, we're going to be talking again. Signs of the Times, the Antichrist, Mark chapter 13. Just a, a very short verse to start with. Mark 13, 21 through 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, uh, he is there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all these things beforehand. Holy Father, open up our hearts today. Lord, this is a, a word that needs, Lord God, deep spiritual discernment. And Lord God, you give us a spirit of discernment that we would look deeply into your word, Lord God, and it would build us up, edify us, encourage us, Lord God, make us stronger for the fight that we have to fight, Lord God, every day, that we would fight the good fight and live victorious through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you look here, the, uh, the word uh, Christ, by the way, because of the 
translation going from the Greek Aramaic into um, English, this is for English grammatical purposes, what it, it, it's saying here, it says false Christs and false prophets. Um, the, the word here, false Christos, pseudo-Christos, and then pseudo-prophetos. It could just be singular. It could be translated singular. They translate it in the plural because, again, of grammatical reasons. But it could read, for false Christ and a false prophet will rise and show signs. And I actually think that is the more uh, correct translation. So when we, when we think, again, of the false Christ or the false prophet, what we think of Revelation chapter 13, the, the beast, the uh, Antichrist. But how many of you realize, you know, we always call him the Antichrist, but Antichrist is only used by John in 1 John and 2 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, verse 22, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, and then 2 John, verse 7. Here is, a, 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 again, an example in 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 19. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, uh, by which we know that is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Notice that, what he's talking about. Again, he's talking here about people who claim to be Christians, who are in the body of Christ, who are not Christians, who go out, and uh, they basically propagate or preach a, a false gospel. So that's, what, that's essentially what he's talking about. Again, word antichrist. When we think again, we think of antichrist, we think of one against Christ, but the word anti is talking about one who comes in place of Christ. So that, that is really what the scriptures teach about, uh, about the antichrist. Yes, he is against Christ, but he is one who comes in the place of Christ. He's, he's called by many different names. Uh, the Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one, the beast, the king of Babylon, the little horn, the prince that shall come, the willful king, and the idle shepherd. A false Christ. You know what, you know what Satan, Satan has against, uh, essentially right, brought forth to the world a false trinity. With Satan as the father, the Antichrist as the son, and then the false prophet. As the spirit, he is the great pretender. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. I am the great pretender. Everybody who wasn't growing up in the 70s doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's, a, he's, a, he's without question a, a fascinating character that intrigues people and you can see that by all the movies that have been made about the Antichrist. Also all the documentaries that you will find. One of the questions, one of the questions that people will ask is who is the Antichrist? Even right now in the current situation, in the current time that we live in, many times people will come to me and say, do you think this person is the Antichrist or that person is the Antichrist? And even right now, I mean, there, you go online, you will find things that, that are basically saying that Biden is the Antichrist. And I'll tell you, that night when he came out and did that, I was starting to scratch my head and wonder if he, if he truly is the Antichrist. I don't know if you remember that. Just look at that picture. It looks like somebody's trying to scare. He's trying to scare people in this country. You know, the soldiers in the background, the red background. I'll tell you, we're, we're being led by lunatics in this country. It's a scary, scary thing. Scary thing. People have said Donald Trump, right? He's the Antichrist. 
when Obama was in office, right? They were saying that he is the Antichrist. People will come and say, it's, it's Vladimir Putin. He is the Antichrist. He's not. People will say it was Bin Laden. I have many people come, Bin Laden, do you think Bin Laden's the Antichrist? No. While he was alive, I said no. That's right, he's dead. Uh, Saddam Hussein, right? People were saying he's the Antichrist. Back in the 1990s, okay, the Oslo Agreement, people came out and said that Prince Charlie, okay, now King Charlie, right? That he is the Antichrist. During the 80s, Ronald Reagan, right? 666, right? Ronald Wilson Reagan, three letters in each one of his first, middle, last name. People saying Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist during World War II. Hitler and Mussolini, the Antichrist and the False Prophet. Boy, if we were living right there then, I think we would have been, uh, been saying Kaiser Wilhelm, okay, back in World War I. People are saying he's the Antichrist. Some have said that Napoleon is the Antichrist, right? Uh, the Pope. I mean, you hear this one. This one has been, you know, basically talked about and propagated and books written for, for years. The Protestants always claiming that the Pope is the Antichrist, and the Catholics claiming that the Reformers, Martin Luther and John Wesley and Tyndale and Calvin, that they were the Antichrist. Uh, when Charlemagne, the Emperor of Rome, people were claiming that he was the Antichrist. In the early centuries, the early Christians thought Nero was the Antichrist, or, or Domitian, or, or, or Docletian. So just a lot of different thoughts. So I want to I wanna go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. Not what Hollywood tells us, right? Not, not what you know, people in the media or on Facebook are telling us of who the Antichrist is. Let's go and see what the Word of God says about the Antichrist. So we're called Living Word Community Church. Let's go to the Word. Okay, I'm going to share with you a bunch of things. I'm going to move through these real quick. Some of them I'll spend a little time on. The Antichrist will be a man. He will not be a woman. Uh, sorry, ladies, or, or thank you, ladies. Daniel 8, uh, 23, and in the lighter time uh, of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king, right, not a queen, shall arise having fierce features who understand sinister schemes. He will be a man, okay? Scripture, very clear on that. Second, the Antichrist will be great in appearance. He will be good-looking. Daniel chapter 7.20, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, right, he is the little horn, before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. He apparently is very, very good looking. He will have persona, he will have charisma, be charismatic, he will be powerful, he will have presence. So when you see him portrayed in the movies, they don't select Don Rickles or Steve Urkel to play him, okay? They pick the best-looking actors that they can possibly find. And I've had people through the years, you know, and this is, again, where we're very careful with people with any type of, of mental challenges. Sometimes in the, in the Bible, we start to preach about spiritual things, and people will come to us, and they will start to think that maybe that they are the Antichrist. And a man came to me a number of years ago and he said, I think I'm the Antichrist. And I looked at him and I said to him, first, you are not smart enough to be the Antichrist. Secondly, you are not good looking enough to be the Antichrist. 
But people, I mean, people have come with, you know, crazy things. But he, he, will, be, he will be extremely good looking. The third is, the Antichrist will not desire woman. In Daniel 11.37, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire for women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. Some people are saying that, again, we don't know this for sure, that he's homosexual. We don't know that. But that apparently he will have no desire to have a woman in his life. The uh, fourth, the Antichrist comes out of a revived Roman Empire. So something when people say, well, he's going to come from here, he's going to come from there. Well, he's going to come out of a revived Roman Empire. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And it was considering the horns, and, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up amongst them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Now, if you know Daniel, and those of you, again, who study with me, right, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, it talks about essentially four empires, and their first empire was the empire that was there in the time of Daniel. It's really easy to follow, and it is literally interpreted for us by the Lord. So in Daniel chapter 2, you have this statue with a head, a torso, with a lower torso and legs, and then ten toes. And then the beasts that are seen in Daniel chapter 7, there's a lion, a bear, a leopard, and then this horrible, terrible beast that devours the earth. So, to understand, the first beast, okay, or the first part of the statue is Babylon, the lion. And then the second is Persia, the bear. The third is Greece, the leopard. And the fourth is Rome, this horrible beast, this dragon. That at some point will basically be reborn, Rome, and become... Ten nations. Okay, ten toes. Okay, or ten horns. From this ten-nation confederacy will come the little horn. And that is the Antichrist. He grows out of these, these, ten, these ten nations. Now, for years, the belief has been that, that he will come out, essentially, of a revived old Roman Empire. And uh, if, if you think of the, 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 Roman, the Roman Empire, and, and I'll show you, I'll give you a picture of its uh, actual boundaries in the, in the time of Jesus. But the rebirth of a Roman Empire, and if you look closely at Europe, you have to understand, that the Europeans have been killing each other for, for thousands of years. And, and just in recent years, right, you had, you had World War II, you had World War One. I. I mean, the, the, you know, the British fighting with the Spanish, the, the French are fighting with the British, they're fighting with the Germans, they're fighting with the Italians. I mean, they, they have been at war for centuries. And anybody who's, who, who studies history knows that the, the continent of Europe has been at war nonstop. So a, a lot of people in these last years believe, right, there has suddenly been a revival of Rome. Here's, here's a, an example. These are, these are milestones. You know, it first started with the European common market. 
And now we see, we see Europe, which has basically grown into this nation of confederacies through, again, a number of these different things that have happened. But Europe now is unified. They have their own currency, right? Just like you have a U.S. dollar, what do they have? The, the euro, right? They have, they have a parliament. You have a big, big problem going on, right, these last years. England breaking away, Brexit. And that's like a scandal that's, that's going on amongst the, uh, you know, the European community. So there, there are people who believe this is the actual, there will be ten nations that the Antichrist will grow. But this is, a, again, a, a map that shows you what the Roman Empire looked like in that first century. And notice it not only encompasses Europe, but Turkey, uh, Israel, Egypt. Uh, you come up here, Libya all the, the northern African uh, nations. Now, I want to show you another, this is another thought. Actually, we were doing a podcast yesterday, and uh, Kelvin and um, Jose, well, Jose came up from Georgia, who's, who's with us here today, and uh, we, were talk, we were talking about this very thing. Something unique that's happening in the world is the globalists. Have you know about the globalists? Uh, creating a, a, a one-world government. And... Um, they're talking about creating 10 different geographical nation states. So, you know, you see them by, you know, all by different colors, 10. 10 geographical areas that the globalists are saying that, that this is what we need to do and then unite together into this one world, you know, this one world government. In fact, just this past week, the president of Mexico was talking about how Mexico needs to unite with the United States, unite with Canada, and create a, a North American country. You know what Mexico is being led by right now? By the cartels. There's a, there's a, there's a senator in Mexico who received $100 million from the cartels. They bought him off. This is, this is what the country that we want to we join uh, partnership. By the way, let, let me just say this to you. Globalism is rising. Do you know why President Trump was so hated? It wasn't just because of his big mouth. And he had a big mouth. Hey, I just want to say this to you, though. When, when you are getting hammered nonstop by uh, left-wing communist socialist politicians by the left-wing uh, Marxist communist media, I don't know about you, but man, when somebody, somebody's going to hit me or, or hits me, I'm going to hit back. I'm going to hit back. And, uh, you know, the guy, guy just, I mean, how much patience do you have until you hit back? And, um, you know, he started hitting back, and maybe people didn't like that. And again, I, I didn't like some of the things that he would say. But the attack on him from, again, the left-wing, environmentalist, Marxist, elitist, you know, you know who they all are. They feel that they're superior to the rest of us, that they're smarter than them. We, you're not smart enough to run your own life. You're not smart enough to take care of your health care. You're not smart enough to take care of your children. You're not smart enough to manage your own money. They have to do it for you. They, by the way, they're all white people. If most people would wake up and see, they're, they're all these white elitists. The Clintons, right? Al Gore? You know, and then and people from Hollywood? People from the media? So what happens with, with Trump? Trump was a wrench that was thrown into their cog. 
Because he was not in favor of globalism. He was in favor of making America strong. And they hate him. They had to get rid of him. They had to do everything they can to get rid of him and get rid of anybody. That's, that's what was happening. That's why people, you listen to the media, even the conservative media, a lot of it is just this, this surface nonsense. And you really get down into the depths of this. Satan has a plan to create a one-world global government. Do you know that every, every president, in like going back all the way to Jerry Ford, was in favor of this, with the exception of Reagan and Trump. So there's a Republicans in there as well as Democrats in there. To go along, again, with the globalists, and this is, this is Satan, he's, he's got his strings attached to these people, and he's creating, and basically that world, that one world global government, and then the Antichrist is the leader. So whether it's out of Europe, or again, the ten nations, again, are just talking about the global, he comes out, he comes out of ten nations. Okay, number five. The Antichrist hates and opposes God. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. He hates, he hates God. He hates God's people. He hates God's church. He hates Israel. He hates the Son of God. He hates the Word of God. He hates the people of God. Number six. The Antichrist will boast and magnify himself above every god. Daniel 11.36, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. So, he will magnify himself above Allah. He will magnify himself above Buddha. He will magnify himself above... I mean, there are still some people who believe in Thor... He will magnify himself against the God of gods, the God of the Bible. And he shall prosper. His agenda shall prosper. It will look like it's succeeding until the Lord intervenes. We'll look at that in a moment in Revelation chapter 19. Number seven, the Antichrist will be a conqueror. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? He will be a great military leader. He will be a great military strategist, a great military general on uh, the extreme, beyond the level of a Napoleon or an Alexander the Great. He will lead an invasion into the Middle East and gather his armies in a place called Megiddo, Armageddon. And again, he will even lead his army against the Lord. And that's one of the fun things to look at as we come to the end of the message. Okay, number eight. The Antichrist will make a peace treaty in the Middle East leading to the building of the third Jewish temple. Have you heard that before? Unless you were asleep last week, right? In the last few weeks. Daniel chapter 9, 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Seven years. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. Even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So what is it saying here? He makes this seven year treaty. Uh, it is called the tribulation period. Daniel's. Okay. 70th week. Or Jacob's trouble. Right here. And in the middle of 
that seven-year period, you will right, commit the abomination desolation. Again, we looked at that last week. Okay, number nine. The Antichrist will have global, worldwide authority. Revelation 13, 7, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. He will have authority over the people of the world. The word there, authority or jurisdiction, ecclesia. Ecclesia, he will have this authority as a world leader over the entire world. I want to show you something. This is interesting. The goal of the new world order. One world leader, one world government, one world currency, do you notice that if you understand what's going on with the currencies of the world, they're all failing right now. They're all failing. Eventually your, your, your dollars are going to be worthless. Paper money is going to be worthless. You know, they just, what, why is inflation, let's say it's at, it's at 9%, you know, inflation's, inflation's at 15%. They, again, this is, this is just more, more media nonsense, government nonsense. Gasoline, what was it? It was like just a, a, short, a short time ago, 250. What are you paying now? You're paying two, 380. By the way, once the reserves, once you can't empty the reserves anymore, you're going to see gasoline go back up to five. Right after the election, I guarantee gasoline's going to go up four fifty-five dollars Hey, look, I lowered, I, lowered, I lowered the rate, you know, the price of gas. He didn't lower the price of gas. He's just emptying our reserves. We get into a conflict or a war. We have no gasoline to be able to be, you know, fuel the country. So one world leader, one world government, one world currency, and one world religion. Let me just give you, I want to give you some names of some organizations that are all about the new world order. Freemasons, Illuminati, Skull and Bones, Bilderbergs, United Nations, World Bank, IMF, International Monetary Fund, the IMF, International Bank, World Trade Organization, and, and there are many others. Now I want to show you just what scripture says. Just take a look. One world leader, one world government, one world currency, one world religion. Watch. The goal of the new world order, one world government, <laughs> revealed to us in Revelation 13.7. One world leader revealed to us, or revealed to us in Revelation 13.2, Daniel chapter 7, 4 through 7. One world religion revealed to us in Revelation chapter 13.8. One world currency, Revelation chapter 13.16 through 18. He told us beforehand what to be looking for. And again, here's, here's, here's Robert Mueller, one of, of many, you know, we must move as quickly as possible to a one-world government, a one-world religion under a one-world leader. And these are our leaders in our, in our country. Okay. The Antichrist will deceive the world. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. Who could that be? And I've heard some people say that it's Jesus. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He comes in peace. He comes to bring world peace. The world is in chaos. The world is going to be in greater chaos when he comes. But the world is like a leader, right? We need a leader who's going to unify us, who's going to bring us all together, and all the religions are going to come together, and the nations are going to come together, and you know everybody's going to get along together, and we sing kumbaya, and everything's going to be great, and we don't have to worry about you know people shooting nuclear bombs on us and everybody killing each other. He comes in peace, but it's a deception. He comes to conquer. It, it tells us in Second Thessalonians two verse four, uh, verse five through twelve. 
Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time? There's something holding him back, the restrainer. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, and now notice, it, it, it's, he's, the, the restrainer is called a he. First, it, it was just talking about it, you know, the restrainer being some force. So uh, the restrainer is holding back. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is in accordance with the work of Satan. Notice, with all power, signs, lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I want you to notice that God says, I'm going to just let him come and he's going to deceive the world. He, he just, it's like God just steps by and allows this deception to happen. Notice, notice again, key thing, because they did not receive the love of the truth. You need to love the truth. But that's very hard for people because when you love the truth about yourself, it really hurts, Right? Maybe there's things in your life, in your marriage, or in your family, or in your career, things in the world. Right? We, don't, we don't like looking too much, right? Too much of the truth, because the truth is like a light that shines on us. And that light reveals every scar, right? every sin, every bad thing, and we don't like that. We don't, we don't want to deal with that. So most people don't love the truth. And from that, those people are greatly deceived. Number 11. The Antichrist will control the global worldwide economy. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I want you to, to focus on that. The mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And it goes on in verse 18 and says, Here is wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. 666. By the way, that is the number of man. What is the number of God? Yeah, and the number, the number of perfection. What is the number of perfection? No, it's three. Yeah, they have to, seven is a, obviously a, a perfect number of God. But just, I want you to see, so... If you, if you look at this, the 666, again, sinful man. The, the number six speaks about the in, incompleteness of man. Man is incomplete. We're not complete, right? We, we, we've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We have issues in our life. The number three is a, a number of completeness or perfection, the, the, the Trinity. So stop, I want you to think of this. Incompleteness... Now, with completeness. So here, here is a, a picture of the Antichrist. Completeness of sinful incompleteness. Did you get that? Completeness of sinful incompleteness. Of the beast. What he, what he does is he, he optimizes imperfection. He's, he's the ultimate imperfection. But he appears to be divine or perfect. So you have, again, completeness of sinful incompleteness. By the way, people 
trying to you know put put a name on this on this six 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 of the century. I'm just giving you I'm giving you a biblical meaning. Right, I'm, gi- I'm giving you a simple. When you go through the scriptures, again, six is the number of incompleteness, and then what you have is three is the number of completeness. And um, you know, and and if you're going to again just take it from a big not not what you know some far out teacher is teaching. It's just it, it, it speaks about incompleteness. Okay. That is basically disguised by what appears to be completeness and just total deception. So we, we look at this, again, this mark, this, this mark of the beast, and you look at the evolution, the evolution of technology. So I don't know about you, but back in the 80s when I was shopping right around the corner here in Food Town and I saw the barcode, right? Every, before that, you had to put the price on the food and the person had to look at the price and you rang it up. Now all of a sudden they're just running this through a scanner. By the way, that's, that's not the mark of the beast. But it, it sure, it sure kind of woke up a lot of us. I'm starting to think that there's going to be a barcode on our hand or on our foreheads. And again, this, 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 this evolution of technology, then you have the smart chip, right? Some of you have, you have smart cards and a smart chip, 2,000 to 8,000 electronic bytes of data, which is equivalent to several pages of information that you have on your credit card that you just now slide in or you swipe. And again, the, the, the evolution of technology. Then we get to microchips. So IBM, this is the nanometer. It's uh, the size of your fingernail, and it contains 50 billion transistors, which is the equivalent of six and a half gigabytes, which is nearly 678,000 pages of information. uh, 680,000 pages. Actually, let me say this to you. It comes out to be actually four and a half million pages of information that they could put on us. So everything about you, your medical records, your financial records, your educational records, your life records could be put on this, this tiny little chip that could be embedded in your head or on your hand. Let's go, let's go another step further with, uh, with technology. So the word, the word for mark, the mark of the beast, is poio. And what it basically means is to make one do something or to control a person. So when these people are receiving the mark of the beast, um, financial records, life records are on this thing, but it somehow basically gives the Antichrist power to control them. So in a sense, they're, they're kind of yielding up control to the mark of the beast. Think about this. If you don't get the mark, you suffer financial ruin. You can't buy, you can't sell, uh, you can't work, you can't have a bank account, you can't have a job. And uh, there's, there's a lot of things that right now we're seeing with these, with again, these chips and some of the things. In fact, some people even say that the chip will not be uh, technological but biological. So there's a lot of things that are coming out right now about that they are working on things they can embed in your body that could prevent cancer. Things they can embed in your body to prevent heart disease or arterial sclerosis 
kidney problems or liver problems. Now think about that, right? It sounds good. Even to the point, again, we were talking about this, that there are some things, there's, there's something in our genetic makeup. Remember Jesus, uh, and Jose was enlightening me about this yesterday. When Jesus healed people, they were maimed, it said. You know when somebody's maimed, what does that mean? Yeah, they're missing a body part. A leg or a hand or an arm. Jesus grew arms, grew hands, grew legs. You know, what talk about people. The people are freaking out. They're coming from everywhere. So when he's healing something that may be internal, the person's getting up, right, and they're, feel, they're feeling better. But now they're seeing him healing people who are maimed. Well, they tell us that there is some type of abnormality in our DNA that keeps us from being able to grow body parts. So they're trying, they're trying to figure that out. So imagine, imagine this. And again, this sounds exciting. I, you could live to be 377 years old. So if you were faced with being given something that would enable you to become healthier, stronger, and then able you to buy and sell, right? That's going to that's really entice people. The thing is, once you receive the mark, you can never repent and come to Jesus. So I want to, I want to show you that from Revelation chapter 14, 9 through 11. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on their forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name, they're not given a chance to repent. Just, just something to think about. And again, this is, this is another message for another time. You can probably find them online because I preached them on Wednesday night. Same thing went with the flood. They weren't given a second chance. And the same thing goes with Sodom and Gomorrah. They weren't given a chance to repent. And I think there are some very strong similarities between those two events and what happens in Revelation. Okay, number 12. The Antichrist will be part of a global worldwide false religion. So they worshipped the dragon and gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast who was able to make war with him? He is worshipped. Right? He goes into the temple, sets himself up to be God. Uh, number 13, the Antichrist will claim to be God. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 14. The Antichrist will display seemingly miraculous signs and wonders. From 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. He's going to put on a light show. For, we, we're human beings. We like light shows, right? We, we, like, we like, you know, shock and awe. It gets us all excited. And uh, he's going to put on a heck of a show. Number 15, the Antichrist will appear to resurrect. And it tells us in Revelation chapter 13, 3 and 4, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Now you know what mortally wounded means? Yeah. 
And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who was like the beast who was able to make war with him? Again, the great pretender. He's going, he's going to manufacture a resurrection. Number 16. I only have about another 34 to go, so, so bear with me. No, I don't. Just a few more. I started putting this thing together, and boy, I just stood going, and I'm starting like this thing, and this thing, and this thing. The Antichrist will attempt to change times and law. Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And he shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. Notice he shall intend to change times and law. God has a timeline. Right? We, we look at the prophetic timeline. We are in the church age. This is the age of grace from the day of Pentecost until the rapture happens. Then the tribulation occurs. During the tribulation, there is a timeline that God has. Seven years, not going to be eight years, not going to be nine years, not going to be five years. There's a timeline that God has during the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, the glorious appearing. The Lord comes back, hopefully with us, with the angels. And he establishes his earthly kingdom, and that is the millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. I mean, the Bible, the Bible is extremely... I don't know, people, people have some of these wild, like, you know, amillennial view and the uh, postmillennial view. And it's just, if you look at the Bible from a chronological standpoint, it, 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 it reads this way. You don't have to overthink anything. You have the, the church age, the rapture, the tribulation, the glorious appearing, the millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, and then eternity. And that's how, that's how it reads. Now, maybe I'm just too simple. I'm, I'm a simple guy, simple-minded person. I didn't have a chance to go to Harvard or Yale. Thank God. Thank God. I wasn't indoctrinated and brainwashed. But it's just gonna, it, it, it's simple. So he, he will seek to change those times. He actually will believe that he, believes that he can. And then he will seek to change law. So we immediately, we immediately think of law, the Ten Commandments. And Satan's always trying to change the Ten Commandments, right? Adultery isn't, you know, isn't called adultery. It's called uh, extramarital uh, uh, affairs, right? Even murder now. Murder, you know, murder is, is, in our culture, murder is no longer murder. Stealing is no longer stealing. So he will seek to change the things that were common Ten Commandments. But he will also seek to change other laws that God has established, like the law of gender. <laughs> he created them male and female. He didn't create 466 genders. Science affirms that there are two genders, male and female. The Bible, I don't really care what science says, the Bible says there are only two genders, male and female. He will try to change. Do, do you see him trying to change that? So your little children, right now in New Jersey, I think it's fourth grade, in the public schools, they are now going to introduce, let me tell you something, it's pornography. And I'll tell you, the people who are doing this, they're pedophiles. They're pedophiles. They would have been put in jail for pedophilia just a few years ago. But I, I was watching, this was on NBC, and they're talking about the fourth grade book that the fourth grade kids are going to be introduced to. And when they put the book up on the screen, they had to block out because the woman on the cover was naked. 
fourth grade. And they're going to introduce them to oral sex, anal sex, homosexuality, right? Lesbianism. And they're going to confuse the heck out of these poor little children. You have to know what's going on in your schools. And when they're teaching this stuff, if your kid is in public school, you have a right to pull them out. And they're telling us that if you pull them out and they don't learn the curriculum and they fail the test, that it's going to go against them. Let them fail the test! Then growing up, not knowing if they're a man or they're a woman... But this is the spirit of Antichrist. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Oh, folks, you have an election coming up. And there are a whole lot of people who are fed up with this crap. A whole lot of Christian people who are running for office. A whole lot of ex-military people who are running for office. You have an opportunity. Vote for those who are the less evil. And I'll say something to you. They're in the party that starts with an R. I'll tell you that right now. When I, when I vote, and I, I vote for them, I voted for Democrats through years, good people that I felt were good, pro-life people. When I vote this, uh, this coming, you know, coming up Tuesday, it's going to be R right down the column. Right down the column. I just want to, that's, you know, just, I, I ain't voting for people who are, who are in favor of this, of this filth, of this pornography, of this evil that they're going to put on little children. Church needs to take a stand. We need to put our big boy pants on. We need to be willing to fight the fight. Hey, go to the meetings, the educational meetings, the school board meetings. Go there. See what they're talking about. Fight for what's fight. Man, run for, run, run for office for the school boards. And stand up and fight for this. Okay. He will seek to change the law of marriage. Marriage between a man, marriage between a woman. Right? Something that, is, that has been upheld, and, and for the, really through civilization, until the Supreme Court in 2016 decides that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. But he will seek, he will seek to change these, these laws, these established laws. All right, number 17. The Antichrist fights against Jesus Christ. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And we call this Armageddon. Notice here, they come to make war with each other but they actually will seek to make war with the Lord. Number 18. The Antichrist fails and spends eternity in the lake of fire. Revelation 19, 19 through 21. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on his horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. I'm going to show you a video. How many of you have seen The Lord of the Rings? How many of you realize The Lord of the Rings 
is essentially R.A. Tolkien's view of end times prophecy. How many of you have read the Narnia Chronicles? C.S. Lewis. The Narnia Chronicles, again, is C.S. Lewis' rendition of the prophetic, right, through the book of the Revelation, through end times. R.A. Tolkien and, and C.S. Lewis were very good friends. R.A. Tolkien was a, was a Roman Catholic, and C.S. Lewis was an Anglican. Had some wonderful intellectual conversations. But in The Lord of the Rings, okay, and this is the, I think this is the first, uh, the first one, there is a battle that is going on, and basically the armies, okay, the evil armies, have come, surrounded, okay, the city. The city is representative of Jerusalem in the end times when the armies of the Antichrist will surround it. And then what happens? Who comes? Jesus. Um, essentially, in, in, in the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is a, we call him, a, he's, he's not, this is again, this isn't a perfect, this is, this, is, this is, you know, it's fiction. But Gandalf is the representation for Jesus. So watch, just watch this. They, they do, I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of Hollywood, but they do a really good job with this. So here's the battle ensuing. The army of God fighting against the Antichrist, Satan and evil. Watch. That is, that's us. Watch what happens. You want to come back and kick some demon butt. Watch what, watch what they show you. They do a great job with this. I love this right now. Want to see the rest of the movie now, and and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And you know we're all there with the angels. And I don't know how you feel about demons in your life. I don't know how you feel about the temptations of demons in your life. I, I don't know how you feel about the deception of demons in your life. But I'll tell you something. I'd like to kick some demon ass. And we, he's giving us power and authority. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Just when that's happening, I think, Lord, I'm going to be on that horse. He's going to give us all a horse. Right? L.A. Marzulli, right? You're going to get a horse. And we're riding that horse. And man, we're coming. But he don't let us do it. Right? A sword comes from his mouth. Light shines from his face. And it's like 
Baboom, Zanko, Zeno, boom, they're all gone. <laughs> they just fall down dead. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Lord, I want, you know, I wanted, I, I mean, Tito, do you, you want to, you know, Lord. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he defeats them. So those are, I think I got a good portion of what the Bible says about the Antichrist. I'm sure there's some things I've missed. And if the Lord keeps me here and I preach something like this to you in the next three years, then you'll hear something new. But um, So I want to I just close with this. John, 1 John 4, 1 through 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. I want you to notice here. Two spirits. One spirit of God. How do you know you have the spirit of God? You confess and believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's called the incarnation. That the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. You believe that Jesus is God and that he's the God of your life. That he is the Lord of your life. The spirit of Antichrist does not confess and does not believe that Jesus is God. There's a line drawn in the sand. That, that, that is the decision. That is the decision that determines your destiny. Do you believe that Jesus is God, that he is Lord? Because that is what is going to put you in a place to have the spirit of God within you. Because to reject that is to be in a place where you have the spirit of Antichrist. And the choice is between Jesus and Antichrist. And by the way, that's throughout the scripture. It's between Jesus and Satan. Who have you chose? Who will you follow? Who is the Lord of your life? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And Father, you know, it's good, Lord God, to read Psalm 23. And it's good, Lord God, to to read about the resurrection. But Lord God, there's so many passages that teach us things about the darkness, about the devil, and obviously you've given them to us because you do not want us to be ignorant and you do not want us to be uninformed because when we are ignorant and we are uninformed, we fall into deception. So Father, we, I, I thank you, Lord God, for these revelations that you give us of somebody who, Lord, we're not fond of. Somebody, Lord God, that sometimes it's really hard to even dig in and study these passages. But Lord, again, you've given them for our edification. And Lord God, I just pray today. I pray today, Lord, everyone here, may they truly cross over that line if they haven't crossed it and make you the Lord, the God of their lives, the Savior who hung up on the cross for them six hours one Friday. And Lord God, may we leave here with a power to share that message of the Spirit of God. And Lord, combat and fight against the spirit of Antichrist, which is in this world. For in Jesus' name we pray this, amen. You can all stand with me.
the altars are open if you want to come forward for prayer. You can pray alone or with somebody, but the altars are open.
Lord God bless you all. May he keep you all. May he shine down his face upon you all. May he protect you. Watch over you. Your marriages. Your children. Your grandchildren. May the Lord God bless you in your work. The work of your hands. And go with you all today. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. God bless you all.